how can you work for Dizzy Reed, NASA, okay, record an orchestra overseas without even knowing how to do the things that these projects require, and then delivering 100% on them? Well, stick around, we're gonna find out. All right, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being here. This is the narcissistically named Adam Claremont Show. I'm still your host, Adam Claremont. Here we're going to talk about the world of audio with the pros who are behind the television and film you watch, the music you listen to, the video games you play, much, much more. And we're going to learn how to build your client list, earn more money in less time. Speaking of which, I'd like to offer you a free gift. Uh, put together a list of tips that have helped me to become more productive and more efficient with my time. And if you're trading your time for dollars or working on a project-based fee like most of us, then increasing your productivity should be very, very important to you. So please go ahead, head over to adamclaremont.com workflow, pick up your free PDF guide, and begin working faster and earning more money in less time. Uh, also, before we begin, do me a favor. If you haven't yet, hit the subscribe button, ring the bell. It really helps out, lets me know you're listening for one, and uh, gets the channel in front of more people, more viewers, just so we can you know, get the content from more people. Now, let's get on to our guest. Today, we've got Jason Achilles Mazillis, and Jason's email signature sums him up perfect for me. Rock and roll musician, NASA researcher. Not too many of those out there. <laughs> So Jason's an artist, he's a phenomenal musician and composer, studio owner, and yeah, no kidding, NASA researcher. Uh, going to Mars, in fact. So we're going to get into that real soon. So Jason, thanks for being here today. Uh, my pleasure. It's good to uh, talk to you. And uh, should yeah, we, we give them the disclaimer? Yeah, it's been so long since we've talked, right? <laughs> like, what's so, <laughs> yeah, so just just as a, a very brief recap, we've had to uh, we've had some technical issues, and so we're we're doing this again. So yeah, it's our own gonna, version of Groundhog Day. Yeah. yeah, as if we weren't already well acquainted enough. Yeah, but yeah, so you know, no one I'd rather do it again with, I suppose. <laughs> wow, that's all right. We'll talk yeah. afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so you know, little more insight into Jason's personality. Uh, rolls with the punches. Uh, super easy to get along with. And yeah, I, I appreciate you, man. So th thanks for being well, here. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know what? I think this is actually a really interesting lesson for for maybe your audience is, is um, when you hit technical snags and, and uh, like Adam and I have gone through some difficulties left last couple of days. And, you know, he was like, hey, do you want to redo this or not? And and I said yes for two reasons. One, I very much wanted to do this with you. But also, two, you know, uh, when you're venturing into a new technical direction, um, anywhere in the, in the studio and especially like every session I do, there's always something that uh, some snafu I never dealt with before, but you have to get through it. You, you can't, you know, it's the only way to build, you know, your confidence. It's the only way to know that, you, you know, like, like I play, when I play live, I play as a two piece with my drummer and we use tons of loopers. I think we've encountered almost every conceivable technical error you could possibly have, in, including my whole <laughs> looping mechanism completely failing in front of an audience in Spain, oh, you know, uh, where, or, 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 uh, or, or, you know, getting my power, my, you know, 
getting my power conditioner blown up because I was on 240 instead of 120 and, and plugged Oops. the wrong thing in and, you know, <laughs> forgot where my, you know, so like, yeah, don't give up. If you screw something up, just, just do it again and, and you'll, you'll feel a thousand times better. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. You know, I, I said all the time, uh, you know, well, it's one thing when, when gear fails, like your looper, that really sucks. Um, but well, it like, sucks in front of an audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, there's nothing you're going to do about that. But like, I've always told people like, you know, the bigger the mistake, the less likely it is you're going to make it again. Cause you're never oh. going to forget that moment, that mistake, how much of an ass you felt like in that moment when you made the mistake. You well, know, that, I, I could rattle true. off a dozen of them easily right now and but, things I've but, never but done you, again. But oh man! But you'll also be surprised by how you thought that was the biggest mistake that could have been made. And then another one comes along. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, you yeah, just that. erased <laughs> yeah. You just erased the entire session and uh, didn't back it up. And like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes later. I've, 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 one time I, I erased a guitar track. I was working on an eight-track tape machine, and I erased a guitar solo that the artist had done. And oh. I actually had to spend—I spent two days recreating the guitar tone. And we we had had like a, a rough bounce of it, so I was able to—I had, to I had to learn the solo myself, record it, and replace it without the artist ever knowing. And it worked. <laughs> did Did you ever come clean or no? No, 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 never. Not, I think I came clean to the—I came clean to the to the artist, but not to the guitarist. Oh who man. Was, you know, uh, but yeah, the, the, uh, the guitarist, um, never found out, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, and that was on tape. That was, that was tricky. Yeah. Well, you do what you gotta ago. do. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, well, that's cool. so, so let's, let's talk about the tape thing because, you know, I mentioned you're a studio owner, so you've got a really cool spot in LA, um, organic audio recorders. You, yeah. you love tape. Um, I do love tape. About I actually, space. I love, this is going to sound weird. I love the smell of tape. Um, I had a, this, I had this young kid who wanted to check out the studio and, and uh, I, I put the, I've got a one inch 16 track and I, I put the thing into re rewind and, you know, anytime it's fast forwarding or rewind, you'll, you'll get this rewind. You'll get this smell if you get close to it. And I was like, dude, put your head over that. Like, take a breath. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, do it. He's like, whoa. I'm like, right. It's like new car smell. Right. And he's like, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's a different, but it's like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I like the sound of it. But are you like one of those people that likes too. the smell of gasoline too? <laughs> I do. Yeah. And diesel also, because it reminds me of Greece when I was a kid going to Greece because everything's diesel over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if everyone who likes the smell of gasoline has that same kind of connection, though. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, well, I grew up on a farm in Michigan too. So if I smell gas, it makes me think of the tractor we had when I was a kid and stuff, yeah. you know. So, but, that's um, cool. Yeah, but tape tape is uh, tape's fun, man. I think uh, you know. I think you you've never there's there's no quicker way to feel like you've earned your um, recording credentials than to hack up a drum take with a razor blade yeah, with no that. backup. Yeah, you know, no undo. Which right? <laughs> which yeah, which I suppose these days there's not really much excuse for, but like you, you can always back it up. But I, I don't know. When I was working on my first record, I I didn't back anything up until final cut. So literally. Yeah. So I had a drum track and I remember I, I hacked it and I, I cut it like, you know, you always want to err on the side of caution where, you know, if you're not entirely sure on that downbeat, you give a little, you give yourself a little extra because you can, you can shave off a sliver. So I ended up shaving off like another millimeter or two millimeters of tape. 
to get the the cut the yeah. edit timed just right but um you don't want to go the other way because splicing millimeters of tape you know at a diagonal cut back together is yeah not you know yeah. i just realized how much is a reel of tape these days i don't even know so one inch isn't that bad and that's actually one of the reasons i stuck with it and never got a two inch machine um plus well it'd be nice to have more tracks i guess but uh I can get them for like a hundred bucks for a basically what they call new, meaning it hasn't been used, but it's been sitting around in a locker for 30 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are I people gotta, making I've, new tape though, right? I mean, I know for a while, I think it was like the early 2000s, Quantigy, like they went belly up, I think. And there was all of a sudden I, this big shortage of tape, right? I've just, you know, I've steered clear of it because I've never heard like a solid review of like this stuff works great. There's always somebody who's like, yeah, maybe. So I use Quantigy 499 and I swear it's so funny. I've got a guy in L.A. and I meet him. I'll meet him on a street corner here in the valley and it's like a drug deal. I hand him cash and he hands me however many reels. And we literally like we meet on the corner of uh, this place over in Tahunga here. And it's and uh and then we'll catch up real quick and I'll be like, all right, I'll see you like see you next time. And by the looking. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really funny. It's usually like boiling hot, you know, in the sun, you know. It's like a scene out of pulp fiction, you know, because when they says, you know, ain't got no friends in the eight one eight. Um that's where I do my tape my tape deals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's not too bad. Yeah, it's a hundred bucks or less. All right, there you go. You know. Hard drive, right? I guess. Kind of I don't know. I've bought a lot more tape than I have hard drives. Uh, um, so, so with with your studio, you're doing a lot of your own stuff, right? That's kind of the bulk of what you're working on. Yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm finishing up a record I've been working on for a year and a half with uh, Dizzy Reed, who's a keyboard player for Guns N' Roses. Ah, yeah, um, cool. Yeah. Which has been really, really, really cool. But that's pretty much the only album project. Well, it's definitely the only long-term album project I've got going on. It's sounding really good. I'm, I'm really ex- pretty. <laughs> we actually. I just finalized the last two tracks for mix last night. So, oh, awesome! Uh, finish finish line, yeah. And um, but mostly I'm working on my own stuff now. Uh, yeah. Now that we're in lockdown, I started doing a remote recording session with my drummer, where he actually recorded the drums at his studio on a computer and sent them to me, and then I did all my stuff at my spot. But what I did is I set up a camera, so I, everything I did was a live take. Yeah even though it's, we're just a two piece. Uh, so I have to layer everything, you know, but I, I, uh, um, I could send you, if you want to post the link, I can share that, yeah, you know, with folks do. too, but it turned out really, really good. And there's a band called, uh, Wolfpack, Wolfpack yep. that a lot of, of people might be into. Yeah, yeah. And, and I actually, I got pretty inspired by some of their recording. Um, and I actually reached out to Corey Wong, Corey Wong, uh, who was nice enough to write me back a while ago. And I was like, how did you get that snare drum sound on? I don't remember if it was Dean town or it was one of these sort of live sessions. It was, you know, they do everything with a one camera sweep. Oh, yeah. he was like, dude, that was, he's like, yeah, that whole drum kit was two mics. I was like, what? what? And so I, <laughs> <laughs> that makes so you feel great, of, right? When you're yeah, like, oh it was my a good, God, what did you do? Dude, I put up eight, it was one mic. <laughs> well, it was, it was cool because like, it really sounds great. And, and, uh, and it was also, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. You can do this stuff. And, and it's sort of, <laughs> he, and then a couple like Alex Skolnick put out a recording recently where they were doing like, he's been doing a lot of, um, recording at home stuff. And they, he did a thing with, I think it might've been, um, oh damn it. What's the, the drummer from Anthrax? Charlie. Oh, Charlie Benef, Bene, 
Daddy? Yes. Benefante? <laughs> Damn it. Oh, Someone the B. It was either him or John Tempesto. One of these guys. Yeah. Uh, um, and they're both friends, so I always get them mixed up, which is yeah. bad. But um, <laughs> they put out a live recording doing a Rush cover. I think it was Charlie. And it was... It wasn't even Battle filmed Arrow. that great. But Battle Arrow? No, that's not right. No, okay. Charlie Benantini? <laughs> I'll give up. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the point is it sounded really good, and these things have been inspiring to do. I, they inspired me. Like I hadn't, I hadn't been like really excited about recording in a long time, and turning the camera on is like it's pressure, but it also forces you to like get it right, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think with everyone doing everything at home and remotely, it's it's cool that you can still capture the authenticity of that. Like people can tell, you know, if you do a live recording, I guess if you tried really hard, you could fake it and make people think it's live when it isn't. But, you know, generally it's, you can usually tell if you're watching the nuance of a performance and, and uh, I mean, you could definitely tell with the mistakes that I, that I left in at least. <laughs> with well, everything. it's cool. I mean, operating without a safety net though, because you're going to create and you're going to think in a way that you absolutely wouldn't if you knew like, well, you, I, I yes, can, I can start over. You know, if you can't start over, you're going to well, have what, this focus that you just don't have. There's no faking the, at that point. So. The way I do it is like I can I allow myself a redo, but it has to be a full take. Yeah. So um, although actually the one that uh, I'm going to show you uh, or that I'll post for a few people to see all, all those were first takes. Um, but like I practiced a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before I did yeah. before I turned it on. <laughs> Or inevitably, like like one of them, I recorded the part five times, and then when I went back and listened to it, I used the first one because exactly oh, yeah. what you said it was there was an energy there, and it was like yeah, there were some mistakes, but it's cool. I think it's cool that people can even in this time of isolation, people can still experience a live moment. So for me, it's actually weirdly enough, the lockdown, this whole experience has been really inspiring for that. Yeah, you know, I've been you know, saying this for a few months, um, cause we're recording this as July now, but since March, I guess, man, people are getting so creative and yeah. thoughtful Sink about what swim. they're doing, how they're doing it. We're going to see and hear some of the most creative, inspiring things over the next few weeks, few months, whatever. It's from all this, you know, people just bottled up just like thinking of shit. <laughs> I hope <laughs> so. I mean, doing. what I've, yeah, what I've seen so far has been <laughs> inspiring, you know? And, uh, it's also that that new track is the first one I've ever put out of my own stuff where we recorded it um, purely digitally. And we did it that way because we ha I know. Right. Uh, we had to. Um, I mean, I still ran all my stuff through my console and, you know, and mixed it down there and everything. But uh, cool. Um, but it was nice to not be so afraid of that. I was going to, like, lose my juju in the digital medium, you know? Yeah. Um, I think especially because it, it, it does have a different character. Like if you listen to this track versus all the stuff I've done in the studio, like the drum sound is definitely much different. And um, but because it's being filmed and presented as a live format, you're I think your brain accepts that. Cool. You know, um, or at least mine did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what how my brain compares to anybody. My, my brain will be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's your brain is a. A better judge than mine. Um, what about you? Have you been mixing a lot remotely, like since you this all started? Or? Mixing? No, for me, my life has been mostly um, not a lot of mixing. A lot of like production and editing and like podcasts and storytelling that way. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, well, you got this podcast going during this whole lockdown. Um, yeah, so exactly. This is a perfect example. Do. Yeah. Well, I've been working on so many other people's podcasts. I was like, why really? <laughs> I've only <laughs> yeah, wanted right. this for how long? Well, that's the same <laughs> like, thing with me producing other excuse? people's records. It's, you know, I didn't move to LA to produce other people's records. I mean, I fell into it, you know, yeah. and I, it turns out I'm good at it, but yeah. I, it's not why I came here, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I anyway. mean, but, but there's something to be said for that. You know, you follow what goes in front of you and you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but it's uh, very easy my, to get distracted in LA yeah. from your path. And, and I've, I've seen it happen to so many people that had a lot of talent or could have, I don't know. They just, you know, they fall off the path and, and it's not often you see them get back, get, yeah. get back on the horse. Well, I guess it depends know? on if they're miserable or not, if they're enjoying it. You know, I know my yeah. life has been it's not about zigzags, you know, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> Well, you're a happy guy. Look at you. you sm- okay. Your smiles every time I talk to you. <laughs> Sorry. I'll cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Watch it over there. Mm. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, kind of circle back. So, you know, I, I heard this story once. I want to hear it again. Um, how-, how did you come about working with uh, Dizzy Reed? So, yeah, we were talking about the Princess Bride, the short, short version. Uh, Yeah, I was introduced through my bass player at an old band I was in, uh, was also playing bass with him on his solo material. And um, Dizzy had had a record that he had recorded with a, we'll say, problematic engineer. Mm. (laughs) And he had tracks that had been sitting around for years and he he just couldn't find the right person to mix it and take the project seriously. And... um, yeah. And so I met him and I said, basically, we, yeah, we met in a pizza joint and, uh, and I said, I'll, I'll do it, you know? And I sent him something I'd worked on where, which gave him at least, I think enough confidence to be like, all right, well, we'll, we'll try. What I said was like, I do this a lot of people too. I'm like, let's do a song. You know, if you like it, you pay me and then we'll do more. And if not, you know, don't worry about it. And normally I wouldn't, you know, that's a lot of work to do to maybe not get paid for it. Um, yeah. At the time, this was a little while ago too. This was a few years ago. And I was, for me, it was worth it, especially with a guy like that. who's like, you know, like, this could be good, you know? Yeah. And I mean, besides liking him as an actual human, which he's Dizzy's awesome. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I also, you know, I, I also knew it would be like, this would be a really cool thing to work on and it's going to be good for me. You know, I want this gig. Yeah. And I, I, I killed myself, man. I, I learned how to do, I mean, there were drum tracks that were entirely missing where we'd have like the engineer before had sound replaced stuff, but then lost the original track. So all I had was a sound replaced version. Oh, no. And then or like he had overheads, but the Tom mics were just gone. So I had to reconstruct Tom's using sample <laughs> libraries of stuff. I'd never done any of this. Stuff. I didn't know how to sample replace. I'm an analog guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I was like, oh, yeah, I can do all that stuff. I had no idea how to do any of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think we this is something we talked about before. It's like the success in, in the music industry has a lot to do with being able to look somebody dead in the eye and lie. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely, I can do that for you. No problem. Um, but, but but come through. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. To, yeah, just to <laughs> finish that off. Speaking of which, I'm making You're sure that we're recording. You're not going to get very far recording. if you just lie and then, you know, take off. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> you can get something, but yeah, so um, I lied. I told him I could do it, and then I figured out how to do it, um, which uh, which is the same way I got the you know the NASA gig that you that you mentioned earlier was I it was bold faced lies. Just absolutely, I can do this stuff, and then 
you know. <laughs> what? Uh, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. anyway, that was so well, I, I mixed Dizzy's first record and then he asked me to fully produce his second one because it, the first one really turned out good. So oh, that's cool. And now so a year and a half ago, yeah. we started the second one. Yeah. And it's almost done. And it's almost done. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> first single comes out in September, I think. And now if anybody ever needs uh, drums uh, sound replaced. Oh, God. Call, call this guy. <laughs> this guy right here. Not this guy. <laughs> Uh, what were you going to say, though? Sorry. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Well, we, let, let's get back to that cliffhanger you just dropped on everybody. How, oh, how do, yeah. How do you... <laughs> NASA. How do you pull the wool over NASA's eyes? Because uh, I wouldn't mind well, uh, working for something going to Mars. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out, uh, I think we were talking about this before, that it's um, the dealing with the music business side of the music industry is actually a pretty impressive proving ground for trying to annoyingly cold call and harass people in any other industry. Um, because pretty much nobody is more horrible at telling you to go screw yourself than the music industry. <laughs> so if you can, if you can handle, you know, cold calling labels and booking agents and, and, you know, the mountain of very well, not, let's say not polite rejection you get. If, I mean, you're lucky if you get a no, that's like, they heard, said no. Well, I heard back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the scientific community. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. So anyway, yeah. So the scientific community is not quite as used to um, people sort of randomly emailing them and calling them yeah. uh, government, uh, especially because NASA is a government organization. So a lot of their information is publicly available, including emails on PDFs of a some proposal that a scientist wrote that yeah. you're trying to get a hold of. And uh, anyway, <laughs> so, so that's, you dig some yeah. of that up. I did some digging and, um, you know, and I'll and put together some, you know, pretty well thought if they're a bit open ended, pretty well thought proposals on how I felt I could be of assistance in sending a microphone to Mars, which has been attempted before, but never, uh, never succeeded. And mm. so um, the short version is I found out they were going to do this. This was something I'd already been looking into. And so I, I sort of was like, oh, that's, that's, that's my gig. I want, I want that gig. Yeah. And um, amazingly enough, uh, it worked out. Yeah. So I was, when I, when I got the, the call as it were, which came about a month later, um, I was on tour promoting my first solo release. Uh, this was summer of 2016, August, I think. And I was, uh, it was early morning in a backyard at my buddy Brian's house, Brian Robeson. And, uh, <laughs> and my bandmates were like completely passed out, probably still drunk from the night before. I was a little hungover myself. Um, <laughs> and I'm out in his backyard patio, you know, uh, where he was very nice to let us all, you know, crash on his couches and floor. And, and I'm trying to, you know, get a cup of coffee so I can have this <laughs> discussion with, uh, <laughs> with, with a pretty high, like very high ranking member of the, the Mars, at the time it was called Mars 2020 Rover. I mean, this guy was like pretty high up the food chain. And, um, if he I'd, only knew, <laughs> like what you just oh my up God. to. <laughs> well, and it was funny because, so we get guy? up, 
Well, we no, get I'm, on this conversation. I'm looking for the Jason who emailed me about Mars. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's him and me and this and a consultant, uh, Caesar Garcia, who I had hired just prior to that, like out of my own pocket, just in case NASA called back. And they called back like four days later after I hired this guy. Like he was as in disbelief as I was. Wow. Um, so it's the three of us on this phone call, and uh, and we ended up talking about football for like 20 minutes. And at some point, you even like, like football. <laughs> I, well, I'm 49ers, man. Oh, it's been a little, it's been a tough <laughs> couple decades. Okay. Um, but we're talking for like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, if not more. And then at some point I'm like, I find I'm like, so are we going to, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the gig. <laughs> and then basically it was like, yeah, so do you want the gig? And you know, I'm like, wait, what? And it really was, I don't know. Sometimes things are so informally put forward, it's almost more scary because no then kidding. you realize they're just they're just completely putting the ball in your court. And you would think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, but it was like, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar spacecraft, you know, and and uh, this is a chance to do something nobody's ever done before. Hear the sound on another planet. It's never been done. Yeah. Not not real, true, actual sound that hasn't been tweaked. And um he was like, okay. And, and he was so like, casual about it. Like it, it made me more scared. Um, <laughs> like one, one of the things I've learned in the studio or just anytime, like if I'm doing a video shoot, for example, uh, you know, you hire a director and you put this whole production together. And if I look over and the director is like freaking out and really nervous about everything, then I can relax. Cause I'm like, okay, somebody's paying attention. You know, somebody's got the angles covered. Yeah. Um, if I look around and nobody's nervous, then I get nervous because <laughs> like, wait, uh, somebody's probably not paying attention, <laughs> you know, because this is obviously a big deal. So that first phone call was I was visibly sweating by the end of it. And then um, and then the the uh, Dave Gruel was his name, the guy over at NASA. And he gets off the phone. So now me and uh, me and Caesar are left on the phone together and I. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? He's, and he's like sort of laughing in the background. He's like, I think you just got the gig. I'm like, well, yeah, it was a really cool, it was definitely That's one awesome. of those moments you're, you're not going to forget. Yeah. So, and then 2017, I had to start a company so I could get hired. And then basically um, got hired as an independent consultant in 2017. And it's uh, continued to this day as an open-ended, open-ended consultant position for the microphone, which is flying uh, in a couple of weeks now. Yeah. So describe a little bit of the microphone, like how, how like what, what did it need to do? What, oh, it's what a, I can tell you exactly. For, you know? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a BNK 4006 capsule, oh. um, which has been, uh, this company called DPA. Yeah. I'm familiar um, with that one. Yeah. Yep. So DPA basically rebranded BNK to like a more consumer level thing, yep. but it's the 4006 capsule. It's a half inch pre-polarized condenser. Um, it's about the size of your thumb and it's a lanyard mic. So yeah. it's this, it's this little mic then that goes into the, uh, MMA digital audio interface thing. That's about yay big. So the microphone will be on the outside of the Rover, you know, the little thumb piece, and then that goes into the Rover. And then the preamp is housed on the inside, uh, where it's going to be more protected from, you know, thermally and thermally protected radiation shielded. And then it'll feed into, uh, one of the many computers, like sort of secondary computers. 
oh, yeah. on the rover. So it's like a backup recording. Is that what you mean? Well, they so one of the reasons one of the previous missions to Mars had a microphone on it, but it was wired directly into the main computer and they didn't turn it on because they discovered that there was a possibility that it would cause some sort of there was like reset of the <laughs> it was a there windows was, was, update <laughs> yeah basically and Those you know damn windows update if, if you have a 0.01 percent chance of something causing a hard reset on your you know on your rover <laughs> uh on your rover on mars you don't do that thing yeah. so um so that was never like i'm just checking my audio stream right now um so it was never turned on well so does, the, this, uh, does this actually have to be turned on once they land it's going to turn on before they land. It's going to it's going to turn on during the landing sequence. So, oh, it so should it's all be programmed really, to turn itself on and all that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not involved with the programming aspect of it. Yeah. So, but it will be activated at some point within the it's called the 7 minutes of terror, 6 6 or 7 minutes of terror they call it where you get this sort of like information blackout as you're crashing through the limited magnetosphere of the planet, but um, oh, wow. you just get all kinds of ionization and, you know, uh science you know, yeah, it's, it's, you know, but it'll be, but there's going to be video cameras recording it. And then there's going to be the one microphone to catch all the audio. It, I mean, I give it a 50, 50 chance at best. It's even going to work. Yeah. Um, because it's just an off the shelf component. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what they could afford. This was a very, Dave really spearheaded this because he really wanted it to be there, but there was no extra budget for it. Mm. But he, you know, he wanted audio to go with those with that video for good reason, you know. Thank God somebody appreciated that. Yeah. Um, so finally, one for the audio. But guys. it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not <laughs> customized though at all, really. I mean, it's we 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 offered some customization procedures that could have been done to help make it, you know, more robust and and get a better signal, but mm. they just didn't have the budget to implement any of those things. So if it works. Uh, certainly future audio design for Mars could be made to work a little better. But I, I mean, it's a really good mic, you know, 4,006 is, it's an That's instrumentation. A really yeah. yeah. And so, it's super flat. And, um, I tested one out here at my place just to make sure everything, you know, see what it sounded like, you know, before we recommended it. I was like, God, this thing sounds really good. Um, stamp of approval. So yeah, what, yeah. what do you expect so we'll see what Mars happens. to sound like? What, I mean, you must have done some tests and kind of gauged, you know, what you're expecting. Yeah, right? people have been writing pap papers for decades. I mean, that Phoenix lander, the Mars Phoenix lander that was sent back in the late, in, so late 90s, early 2000s. Well, Mars Polar Lander was supposed to have one, and that was 97, I think. Hmm. So ever since then, people have been doing scientific studies of the atmosphere and how they thought sound would travel. So there's a lot of... But yeah, it's basically, it'll be kind of like you basically everything above 10K gets totally cut off for the audio engineers out there. Yeah. And then there's like a weird, there's a bit of a, of a well, the, every, you get a gentle roll off of basically all the high frequencies that from like even below 1K and, and above, everything just starts rolling off pretty quickly as you, with distance. Um, within the immediate vicinity of the rover, it should sound pretty good. You know, like if you're well, if we're able to hear the wheels on the surface when during a drive or something, you'll you'll hear it okay. crackling. It'll sound kind of muffled, mm -hmm. you know, but it's going to be a weird sort of muffling because there's chemical properties in the atmosphere that are theorized to actually give you a, a, a high end boost um, sort of between five and 10 K. 
Um, oh man. So yeah, you know, I mean, uh, did I barely we talk had about EQ it? figured out on earth. I couldn't imagine dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did we talk about that movie Ad Astra before? Did, yeah. Did yeah. We, yeah. So, so that's basically, film, right? yeah. Yeah, so I, I was I got to I was an informal technical advisor for a very brief Mars landing sequence in that film uh, for the sound designer Gary Rydstrom, um, who He's is like awesome. the man. Yeah. He's like <laughs> it's it's Ben Burt and Gary Rydstrom are like I think like that's the two guys yeah. in the world and um, for a long time they've been top and, of the game. yeah well, I was the same like the guys oh he's won seven Academy Awards. And I, that's, yeah. that's just the amount he won yeah. uh, <laughs> for sound design. But anyway, yeah, he had, I, I, uh, I got a tour of Skywalker sound and, and when I met Gary, he, he was working on that and asked if I had any input, you know, on what that might sound like. And so I, you know, it's like, yeah, I got lots of input. Absolutely. And if you watch the landing sequence, uh, in the movie, it's very, it's just a quick shot of a rocket landing. But I, I think, I, I think he got it pretty close. I think that yeah. I would. Well, I got to check fun that to find out. out I just for real. Just <laughs> saw that film is on HBO now, and I just got HBO now for a little while. So it's, if everybody's got HBO be, now, right now you, you can go check it out. It's not a great film, but <laughs> the landing sequence is awesome. Well, it's funny because the got fast forward. Yeah, well, the the director of the film really wanted it to be very realistic, you know, like sort of two thousand one style. But then there were apparently a lot of conflicts with the studio and i think the studio wanted more you know action movie so yeah. it's interesting because like there's like a lunar rover chase sequence um and there's points where there's external audio i mean they muffle it a lot but it's still there and you're like okay obviously this is there's no sound on the moon anywhere right but okay. <laughs> you can tell where like you can tell the the battle between the guy who wanted it to be true and the sound designer who I'm sure was totally behind him. And then the studio that was like, no, it's got to have explosion sounds. And so like they're sort of muffled and tweaky, but it also I makes think, for a shorter day for the sound designer. If he wins that battle. Oh I yeah. Mean, he's like, this is great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sound, there's no sound on, my, <laughs> on the moon. Yeah. You know, I mean, and a lot of, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you cheat that a lot of times by like giving the sound that you're, that your astronaut would hear in his suit. Right. And like, so you can still sort of have some audio design in, but anyway, it's, uh, yeah, but the Mars sequence I think is actually pretty close to what it would sound like. So if anybody wants to know, that's my suggestion because that's the one I contributed to. That's awesome. So that's supposed to launch, uh, later this month, I believe, right? The 20- right now it's been pushed back to the 30th. 30th. Um, yeah, there was a problem with the, there was a, some sort of safety, Sensor, sensors, there's some sensor issue with the rocket, actually, that's going to fly it, which is an Atlas V rocket. Um, I believe the rover itself is ready to go. I don't think there's any issues with that. Yeah. But uh, launch has been delayed to July 30th, as last heard. And there's about a two-week window they can get it up in the air. So I've... Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm rooting for you, man. <laughs> I should, uh, we should tell people like- I am. Uh, yeah, oh, God, yeah. But I'm doing I'm doing a the talk. Um, we're doing we're doing a big talk. I've got I, I put together a, a panel with a bunch of people from JPL that I've met over the last few years, and we're going to be that's going to be on Tuesday the fourteenth this coming Tuesday. If anybody sees this before then, Tuesday the fourteenth, uh, July fourteenth. Right. So yeah, so uh, you'll give me a link. I'll I'll flash that on the screen. You'll see it 
right here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool. They like it's just Q and A. Nobody's giving any speeches or presentations. We're just taking questions from these are the people that that built the rover that are going to be operating the systems on the rover, um, and uh, know all about the rig. Like anybody, if anybody has any technical questions or about sound, um, but about the cameras, right. about the rockets, it, the rocket itself. Um, there's going to be six of us total, and and I put we put together a great crew that encapsulates um, if kids want to tune in the, the, the uh, uh, this woman, Becca, who helped uh, coordinate the naming of the rover, which they did with kids all around the world. Um, she's part of the panel and uh, it's gonna be really cool. Yeah. So please tune in and right, send yeah. questions in ahead of time. So, so, so tell me uh, in, in your studio there, have you ever fit an orchestra in there or have you maybe had to go, I don't know, overseas to, well, Somebody yes, Adam. That. It's funny you should mention that. Um, yeah, so I, uh, what Adam is referring to is, uh, for those that are watching, I I had re written, oh gosh, a long time ago, when I was in college, I had written two pieces for orchestra, but I just wrote them in piano score format because I didn't know how to orchestrate anything. Mm. Um, in my head, they were always meant to be orchestral and and they were written that way but the notes were actually just in piano score format and i was doing a session in over it in that room that adam is sitting in right now on the other side of the country and uh, i met an orchestrator there who was he was doing a remote mixing uh recording session in yeah, he was, prague or budapest yeah, or? i believe the, the the symphony was in prague and there was okay. an animated feature that he was working on that he scored and he, was, he scored and he'd been, wrote, he'd I'm been sure, going yeah. over there for all these sessions. And basically he wanted to, you know, save some miles, I guess. He just, wanted, he just didn't yeah. want to make the trip this time. And he wanted to see if it was possible to just monitor with Source Connect. So we set him up. So, yeah, he monitored that session, that session here. That's um, yeah. With, okay. With right. I, I don't know. Is Which, that the same orchestra that you, you worked with? I think it was called like it the, would be, the if, Film if it was Harmonic. P-H-I-L-M. Yes. Film Harmonic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty cool. Uh, is there a P? I thought it was just F. I thought they weren't quite that. They weren't American. Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just... confusing that with uh, <laughs> the band film. <laughs> the band film, which I was playing on tour with. Yeah, Pol yeah. The pol uh, polar opposite of. <laughs> that was um, Dave uh, Dave Lombardo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun, man. I think man. that's that the name of, of Andy's orchestra that uses those, the, the film harmonic. The film, har Prague yeah. film harmonic. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we did later end up traveling to. Yeah, Andy Brick is his name. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal just, uh, credits. Yeah, a lot of Disney, a lot of video games under his belt. He's really well respected. He's definitely guy. one of my favorite humans. He's a really wonderful guy and so smart and so good and patient. He's like, he's, t you know, tall, sort of big hands, very calm, soothing voice guy. But like, dude, I heard him lose his shit a few times and like, I'm glad I've stayed on his good side, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but he, uh, Anyway, yeah, he and I traveled to Prague together and I hired him as my orchestrator and, and I hired the orchestra. I saved up all summer and and spent a lot of money. And um, and then I was like, well, I guess I'll take my hand. I'll, I'll, I'll take a crack at, at mixing this, you know, when I got back to L.A. because I figured, well, I could save some money that way, too. But also, you know, how else are you going to learn? Yeah. Um, and Andy was awesome. I would, you know, He'd he'd refer you know reference my mix and send stuff back and give me tips and that's great and um, so we've done that twice now and uh, I will say I think the second mix the second one we did was in Prague the first one was in Budapest I think the second one turned out better hmm. maybe just because I learned how to mix a little better <laughs> um, but uh, 
That's so cool, though. Yeah. So, I mean, this is why I love your story, though, because you're somebody who just, you know, you know, the whole thing people say, like, luck is, you know, you're so lucky or preparation meets opportunity. But like, well, you, you, you gotta, <laughs> I've always said, like, meets- it's not it's not as simple as preparation meets opportunity, because the last step that I feel like more people skip out on than any other thing is actually seizing that opportunity. Like, you know, so many people well, just blow it off, you know, like, or just make an excuse on why I'm not, oh, I'm, that's, that's too much work or they're not going to want me or blah, blah, blah. And you just, you go for it. Well, yeah, and no, I mean, you even make when a good you're point not qualified. So, oh, well, like, that's, just go for it. Just great. That's, that's the best time. Are you kidding? <laughs> if I was qualified, what would the well, fun be? figure it out, right? Well, I remember like, I remember when I met Andy, and I, my first sort of feeling was like, I got really excited. I just, I knew he was my guy. I'm like, this is it. I, I've had this dream for a long, you know, many, many years. This guy's my ticket. And then all of a sudden I got like sort of terrified because I was like, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to have to pay for this. It's going to be many yeah. thousands of dollars. Um, you know, and then you're sort of like, what if it goes wrong? You know, and then like, you know. I don't know. You just at but, the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, who cares if it goes wrong? But, you know, when you're it's easy to rationalize that from your chair. But when you're when you've just hired 50 people <laughs> in an orchestra that yeah. are giving you two hours of their time and literally not a second longer, like they stop if it's mid take and the time's up, they they put down their instrument and they walk out. Yeah. It's gnarly. And uh you know, and that was the big thing Andy actually cautioned me for anybody who's thinking about doing an orchestral uh, recording session is that time management is everything. You know, it's it's not about getting perfect. <laughs> it's about getting through it. And as you find later <laughs> on, getting through it is perfect because you you can do more with editing than you think you can uh, with yeah. an orchestra. It's, it's like huh. splicing drums together. You think you can't splice a drum track, but... Actually, as long as the the cymbal crashes are sort of in the right place and there's so much going on. And then by the time you add the reverbs and things like that to a drum take, add your snare reverbs and your drum, whatever your room and the compression, it smooths out a lot of edits. And with an orchestra, you basically you cut and piece an orchestra as if it were a stereo take. So you're, you've right. got 40 mics or whatever, but you're just, you know, you're just cutting everything as a, as a stereo, as a, oops, sorry, as a one line edit. And you're, you're adding all this reverb and stuff at the end anyway. So like, as long as the timing is, because there's no, we didn't do it. There's no click track or anything, you know, we just freehanded it. So as long as the tempos are consistent from one take to the next, um, you can put it together. It was, the whole thing was absolutely terrifying and (laughs) when we finished the first session both sessions actually but when we finished the first one i i thought it was a complete disaster i was so distraught that i i i wept i i was i mean in a corner where no one could see me but i actually like i was so beside myself oh man that i was so absolutely convinced that my 20 like you know many years dream was shattered that I had blown it. It was going to sound terrible. And Andy, who had done this a million times and knew what we had. And, you know, we went out to dinner. He's like, we're going to go out to dinner. We're going to have some drinks. You did great. It's going to sound amazing. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, Well, that helps you, know, you have somebody like that in your corner. 
Oh my God. It was the only <clears throat> thing that kept me from like jumping off the, whatever bridge was nearby. <laughs> they have a couple big bridges. No, I was so, I was just completely devastated. I thought it was absolutely horrible. And then I had to go on tour immediately, which is when I was on the tour where I got that call from NASA. This all happened at the, like, it was a crazy. Oh, I didn't realize this was all. This same. all, this all wow. happened in the exact That's a good window year, of man. time. <laughs> I was insane. And so, but I never, I didn't have a chance to even listen to the audio tracks for another month and a half, like six weeks before I got home from all my touring and traveling. And I was able to sit in the studio and find out what I had. And it was only then that I like, I took, I spent, I think two days editing and mixing it. And by the end of it, I was like, Oh my God, this is actually really good. That's great. Um, you know, I'll give, we'll, we can post that link too. I'll put that on there. If anybody good, wants yeah. to hear it. Cause I got a video of it uh, as well. But, um, the first 45 seconds are a little like interview. And you, if you look, especially for people that know me, you can see how terrified I am. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, I'm trying to like smile and, you know, but uh, <laughs> anyway, there you go. No, it's a great story, man. And I think it's important for people to hear stuff like this because, I mean, you, you know, you've, you'd had these pieces, you've been working on these pieces for a long time. But it wasn't like you were, you know, in the studio that day working on somebody else's project thinking in the back of your mind, like, oh, I got to figure, I got to find a composer. I got to get like, that wasn't real. Like, right. I mean, that well, was you, like you a, had told me about him you beforehand. Were. You were like, you had told me, oh, there's going to be a guy here. So I, I actually did. Weirdly enough, I was a little bit prepared for it because for some reason I had this like. All right. So that conversation I, ahead of time got you thinking more like maybe this can happen. Maybe well, what you did aligning. is you put. Yeah, you put it in my head that where I started thinking about like, you know, you were talking about opportunity and the opportunity. I was like, when am I going to be in a situation where I'm going to be in a studio where I'm not just a schmuck in there? I'm actually producing a session and I'm going to meet an orchestrator who works with orchestras overseas. And I'll, I'll be in a position where I'll have the credibility where I can approach him and he'll take me seriously. Ah, there you go. Yeah. So a lot of it, <clears throat> I've you, learned it has to do with how you, you approach people. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I but I, I did prepare myself and I mean, I didn't know him. I didn't know what his personality was going to be like, but but I definitely normally, you know, I don't know when I meet somebody, I'm just like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, and when I met him, I, I was sort of a little more composed. I was like, very nice to meet you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a little more like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we've Andy and I've been drunk together a few times now so okay. <laughs> everything's everything's out in the clear but it was really funny when i met him it was sort of like i don't know it's like going on a first date with somebody you know mm -hmm. you're just kind of like this is you're not i'm not giving you this isn't fake this is just maybe the edited this is the nicer edited edited parts of, of me <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. so i'd say seizing opportunity is is about your presentation of self as much as it is about what you're doing it's it's i like that That's showing good. that people can trust you and i'm and i actually i apologize because i just realized um i need to go in a minute for um uh, all right yeah let's wrap um, this up i have uh, a meaning yeah but i want to just make this point that i think you'll agree with completely is that um uh in our business if you're a producer or an engineer especially in the music world but in my case i guess it translated to the science community as well you need people to trust you. Um, if, if somebody's paying you to mix their dream project or produce their dream song or, 
you know, get their creativity and their emotions onto a permanently recorded medium that they will have to listen to for the rest of their lives. <laughs> they're putting a lot of trust in you. And, um, and if you can get yourself across in a way where you have sold your sold that trust to them from, from the downbeat, as we would say, from, from the moment you meet them, and you you just you put yourself across in a way where they feel that you understand what they're going for. Uh, that's that you've like won half your battles, I think, right there. That's awesome, man. What a way to what a way to end an interview. <laughs> yeah, go Dude, get them. Yeah, no, yeah, you nailed it. No, I'm glad you said that. That that's fantastic, and and I love that. And and you can tell that you are living that just by the way you mentioned uh, earlier how you know you're talking about well let's not do a whole record let's figure out are, are we going to work together well you know like let's gain yeah. rapport with the person you're working with and so i've, I've blown trust. it i've blown it a number of times i mean I, I don't have a lot of bad experiences clients but i've had a few and i could tell that i lost their trust and it was like oh god it ate in me for months <laughs> every time that that's happened so well you gain the trust and you gain a client for life you know. too it's way easier to keep a client than it is to get a new one yeah, that's, you know, that's and it, and even the, the ones you want to get rid of. Blowing, <laughs> yeah, but the quickest way to blow it is just to by blowing them off and not like putting yourself into that project. And they're quickly, like you just mentioned, they're going to lose your trust. If you're not in it, everybody can see that, you know. So, you know, you yeah, just mentioned earlier, too, well, you said you're killing yourself for these these projects because that's just what you do, you know. Well, it's cool to see that develop, too. Like, you know, going back to the Dizzy Reed thing, you know, like, um, now that we're, I'm producing his record now, I can tell he's a lot more comfortable uh, with, you know, I mean, a lot, there's a lot more decisions that are made together and, you know, I have to challenge him sometimes, you know, if he's putting down a melody that he's just come up with and, and if I feel it can be stronger, if, I mean, it's going to be a battle every time, especially if you got a strong willed client, but, yeah. and they might not appreciate it at the time, but they'll go home, they'll think about it and they'll appreciate you for it. And you know, I like one of the things I like to say is I don't need to be right. I don't care if it's my idea or your idea. It just needs to be a good idea. So if it's exactly. so either if something's not working, I always tell people, OK, either either find something better or sell me on it, like convince me, you know, you know, like that, yeah. that, that, that those those memes where the dude's sitting in a chair and says, fight me, you know, yeah. it's like <laughs> fight me. Like it has to be good at the end of the day. I don't care where it comes from. We okay. are a collective unit. But what yeah. we're putting out there, you, the artist, me, the producer, whatever, you know, it's got to be good. So that's to good, the man. best of our coll collective ability, you know. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks so much for for doing this. Yeah. Again, uh, <laughs> I mean, you thanks for a good sport. Thanks for, um, for yeah. Thanks for having me back again. One more man. time. So Tuesday the fourteenth is the talk yeah. where you can ask questions of Jason and other people involved uh, on the 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 perseverance, right? So it's called perseverance rover. All yeah. aspects of the rover. I mean, yeah. The driving, the rocket, how it's getting there, the quarantine they went through to build it, everything. Awesome. Yeah. So that's Tuesday. We'll put up the link. Um, for more information on Jason, uh, you can go to jasonachilles.com. Uh, please. Narcissistically named. Narcissistically named. Now that's that, what a coincidence. Your website the same as your name. Wow, that's <laughs> the so reason cool. we, we got along. Way. You and me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so go there, check him out. He's got a lot of cool cool videos and awesome music. Um, we'll put some links in the description below. Don't forget adamclaremont.com/workflow. Pick up that free PDF guide. I know there's a lot you can get out of that. Help you working a lot more productively, more efficiently with your time because who wants to waste time? Right? 
Uh, thanks again, Jason. Thanks everybody for watching. Give us a thumbs up, like, subscribe, all those great things, and see you next time. Bye.